This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon from New Year's Day 2017 is by Margie Fawcett. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. I love New Year's Day because there seems to be something in it for everyone. Some folks like to look forward and think about the future and make plans and goals about the future. And some folks like to take a nostalgic look back at how things were in this past year. Well, I came across a bit of nostalgia from my own life, which I'd like to share with you. For many years, I've kept a New Year's journal, a New Year's Eve journal, where I write a little something about the year. And I found the very first one I ever wrote. December 31st, 1980. Dear diary, only 20 glorious minutes left in 1980. I just got used to writing 80, and now I have to write 81. This year has really been a good one. I think it's just about my favorite out of all 11 other ones. Out of all 11 other years. Well, this, this is a wonderful practice, and I commend it to all of you, but especially for our young people. Just take a few minutes to look back over the year Write out the things that you just loved about it. Thank God for those things. And look ahead to the future, what your hopes are, as a way to talk to the Father about that. Looking back and looking forward is just part of how life is for us. And today we're going to take a similar perspective as we consider the name of Jesus. By looking back to the beginning of his earthly life and by looking ahead to the promises of his glory. Because today is the feast of the holy name of Jesus, and it falls eight days after the birth of Jesus, the day when Mary and Joseph were required by the law to take their baby to the temple and give him a name, we'll start there with that story. And it begins when the angel comes, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says that she will give birth to a son, and he will be the Most High, son of the Most High. He will be great and she's to call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. So before he's even born, his identity and his purpose are revealed to us. That's the beginning of the story. And then we get a glimpse from our reading in Philippians to the future, the, um, how the story ends, when we read that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in the end, God's saving work for the world will be complete, and Jesus will be seen and recognized as the Lord of all. That's how it all ends. So what does the giving of his name at the beginning of his earthly life and the exalting of his name at the end have to do with our lives now? While looking back then forward, we see the name of Jesus, but the life of Jesus is not relegated to the past or to the future. We can call on the name of Jesus now. And when we call on his name, we have access to his power, his saving power, and his love. Now, we know that the name of Jesus has power because it will be ultimately above every other name. 
So let's consider for a moment the power of the name of Jesus. I don't know if any of you are like my son, and when you hear the word power, something stirs in you. Power. How much power are we talking? Maybe you want to know some specifics about power, like my son would like to know specifics about every kind of power. He asks me these kind of questions all the time. How many cyber crystals do you think it would take to power the laser of the Death Star? <laughs> what is the power of my airsoft gun? How many joules of force are there in that earthquake that warped those train tracks? You say that chemical has power? How big of an explosion are we talking about? <clears throat> I'm sure I have no idea. And if I can't describe to my son how powerful the world's elements are, I certainly cannot explain the power of the name of Jesus. It's beyond our imagination. But I can give two examples. I'll give you an example from scripture and then one from modern times. There are many examples in the early church in the time of the disciples of people calling on the name of Jesus. And um, this is one of my favorite ones. You'll remember when Peter and John were going into the temple. They're on their way into the temple, and they look and they see a crippled beggar. And the man looks at them, and they look at him, and they say, we don't have any money, but we, what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. And the man stands up. He is immediately healed. The name of Jesus has power to heal. Now, that situation also got these gentlemen into some trouble with the temple. And you'll remember the leaders got together, and they're like, what are we going to do with these guys? They're causing a lot of trouble. And so their solution is they say, they get them, they say, you may no longer teach or speak in that name. They want that name, the name of Jesus, to be put aside and to be no longer but the name of Jesus cannot be put aside. The name of Jesus is alive now. And they continue to preach and to heal in the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus has power to heal. Here's another story, a more modern day story. I know of a Brazilian woman whom the Lord called to minister to street children in Senegal. She provided them a home and taught them the Bible after a number of years, she was arrested for evangelizing. And when she arrived at the women's prison, she was horrified by what she found. It was filthy. There were rats everywhere. Everything was in disrepair. And then when night came, a spiritual darkness manifest. The women were unable to rest, but cried out and screamed. There was no proper sleep for the distress all around. This dear woman was overwhelmed and wondered, how in the world am I going to live in this place? And the Lord said to her, this is your new mission field. This is your new home. Clean it up. So as night came and the unrest began, she rose from her bed and said, the Lord has shown me that this is my new home. My home will not be taken over by darkness, but filled with light. In the name of Jesus, be gone, never to come back again. You cannot torment these women any longer. And the women all quieted down. From then on, everyone could get a good night of sleep. The place was physically cleaned up, and this woman was released to do ministry among these women. 
the whole environment changed. The name of Jesus has power. The power to heal and power over darkness. Jesus means God saves. Now this incredible power of his name is indissolubly wed to his love, to his human life that humbly came to give himself in love for all of us. And the Lord revealed his love to me in a time of prayer I had through the Transformation Intensive. The Transformation Intensive is a small group run by Deacon Val to help us grow in prayer and in love for Jesus. In some of the prayer exercises, we were asked to consider the presence of Jesus in various gospel scenes. So I prayed with the scene of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple on the eighth day. I recalled Mary and Joseph bringing their tiny child to the temple in order to fulfill the law. Mary has been told the child's name, and she and Joseph do their part. They bring him to the temple, and they give him the name Jesus. But at this same time, a man named Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. But that isn't all he says. He also looks at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your own heart too. A sword will pierce her heart? As I held a picture of this moment in Mary's life in my mind's eye, a question came to my mind. I wanted to feel sorry for her. How could she have known in those glorious moments with Gabriel what her yes would mean for her? Should I pity her? And I felt the Lord say, no, do not pity her. When the story of her life is complete, she will say, thanks be to God. Stepping into this sorrow is part of her stepping into her vocation and becoming who she was meant to be. And when I heard those words from Jesus to me, I knew they were the Lord's answer to the deep questions of my own heart. I had also looked forward in life and said yes, and there had been sobering challenges. In the shocking illness and death of my husband, I was left with sorrow, loneliness, and a clenched fist of fear in my heart. Now I was looking ahead, afraid of how things would end, or whether or not it was safe to live on. As I opened my heart to the Lord and let the questions tumble out, I found his love was right there. I experienced in this dialogue with Jesus, his sharing my sorrow, walking into my isolation. I also received his word that each part of the story, each planned event, every unplanned event would be used by him for good. The piercing of her heart is part of her becoming who she was meant to be. It's part of her maturing. And when the story is told, she will say, thanks be to God. 
This was the loving, present word of Jesus in my life. Do not fear the sword. I will use everything in your life to open your heart to my work. My love works to grow and mature you even as it's bringing about the ultimate work of salvation for the whole world. In the end, you will say, thanks be to God. But we don't live our lives as journal entries, looking over the past or hoping toward the future. We are in the midst of our own life, which must be written moment by moment. We cannot flip to the end of our lives or even to the end of 2017 and see how it ends. Although we can draw deep consolation and courage from knowing that God will ultimately draw everything together in perfection, we have to get up from our seats here today and face each of us our own afternoon, our own week, and our own year. I wonder if there are those of us here today looking forward to the next year feeling that kind of apprehension and not knowing how things are going to unfold. Will that relationship weather the storm? Will the bills get paid? Will I get into the school I'm hoping for? Will I be alone this time next year? The ideas and hopes I have for vocation, will they begin to unfold? Will the problem I have with anxiety or anger or depression plague me again? The life of Jesus took place on earth at a time in the world's past, and his coming again will take place in the future. But his life and his actions, his power and his love are not relegated to the past or to the future. We can access his power and his love his presence, and call on his name now. Jesus, this is your work. This is your story. I invite your power and your love right here, right now. And as I speak his name, I realize he is speaking mine. My yes to him in my own heart is my taking hold of that eternal yes that he has spoken over the whole world. Jesus. His name is the beginning. His name is the end. It is the lifeblood of the story. It is the story. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.